Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome to Stagecraft, Variety's theater podcast, bringing you backstage and behind the scenes with the stars and creators of the hottest shows on Broadway, off Broadway, and beyond. I'm your host, Gordon Cox. On this episode of Stagecraft, I'm talking to a true Broadway favorite, Kristen Chenoweth. Musical theater fans won't need an introduction, but just in case, Chenoweth made her Broadway debut in Steel Pier in 1997, and in 99 won a Tony for her performance as Sally in You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. Her other Broadway credits include The Apple Tree, Promises, Promises, On the 20th Century, and, of course, Wicked, in which she created the role of Glinda. She's also busy on screen, winning an Emmy in Pushing Daisies, and appearing in shows like American Gods and Trial and Error. And on top of all that, she just released her latest album, For the Girls, which features a group of guest artists including Dolly Parton, Ariana Grande, Jennifer Hudson, and Reba McIntyre. Broadway audiences will get a chance to see Chenoweth perform those songs live in a concert run at the Nederlander Theater, November 8th through 17th. Kristen's in the studio with me now to tell us all about her new album, the new musicals that look ready to bring her back to Broadway, and that time in Wicked when she flubbed popular, like really bad. Hi, Kristen. Thanks Hi. for being here. Thank you for having me. Um, how you doing? How's uh, your... I'm talking to you just a few days after the release of your new album, For mm-hmm. the Girls, um, and it's doing great. Uh, for people who haven't had a chance to hear it yet or have maybe seen, you know, bits and pieces of the, you know, like the Aria Grande video or something, wh- who, who are the girls and why is this one for them? I guess after my last record, I was like, what do I want to do next? You know, and I kept writing. That was a couple years ago. Yeah, Yeah, and I kept writing down the same songs over and over. Like, I I want to do the way we were. I want to do Carol King. I want to do, and I just kept looking at the list. I was like, I told Steve Tyrell, my producer, I said, it feels like it's, you know, for all women of all styles, ages, genres. And after we started singing and recording, I, it, I didn't set out to make like this female empowerment thing. It just sort of evolved. And then he goes, you know what it is? You know what it is, man? It's for the girl. <laughs> it's just the way he talked. And I, I he was right. Yeah. So it's for, yeah, yeah, it's for my the younger generation that maybe doesn't know who Eva Cassidy and Dinah Washington are right. and Edie Gourmet. Mm-hmm. And it's um, why I love that I have great, guest singers on there like Ariana and Dolly and Reba and J-Hud because yeah. it's all different and there are no more rules and I think that's one of the things I wanted to say. Rules in terms of genre? Rules in terms of what in particular? Well, I used to. What I guess I mean is when I first started recording records, yeah. it was like you have to stay in your lane. Mm. You know, you have to... And what was your lane? Sort of Broadway well, that was always made. the problem yeah. <laughs> because, you know, I'm... I, no matter how I say this, I don't mean it to sound arrogant, but mm. I'm a trained opera singer, but I grew up singing country and gospel, right. but I love music theater. I love pop music. So this gave me the opportunity to have kind of all of it on there. You know, it's funny. There's not a lot of soprano singing on this record. Right. And that's sort of what, how it happened for me in the beginning. But really and truly how it all started was like this for me as a mm. singer. So getting back there is what's been coming as I've get, gotten older. 
certainly love the coloratura. I love. I'm right. so grateful for the training that I have because yeah. it does allow me to weave in and out. But this album is, you know, I look at the song list. And I'm like, wow. First of all, it was very scary, but I'm kind of glad I just faced my fears. Do you have a sense of why these songs, these songs in particular, kept coming back to you? What What was it about them that you really? anxious to record well for me too i'm still old school enough that i still look at the arc of an um, album although mm. i know that people are looking at singles now nobody listens to albums <laughs> anymore right, right. <laughs> but i still like how do i want to start what do i want to say how yeah. do i want to take the people on the journey that want to sit down and listen to it from start to it's sort of a theater impulse right the right. Arc of it. exactly yeah. Yeah. and so it seemed right for me to start with the way we were that um of course i'm paying tribute to as well to Marvin Hamlish. You know, this is not just for the girls, it's for the men who love us, you know. Behind every, in my opinion, a lot of strong women have either a strong brother or a great dad or their gay best friend or, you know, there's a man behind them going, you can do it. And I've been lucky because I've had that. Or I wouldn't be even brave enough to do this record. Right. You know? Yeah. And in terms of, you mentioned the your... uh, crazy list of guest artists who did they first of all how why were these the people that you wanted to work with and what was it about the individual songs that they're on that sort of made them a good fit for those well when when it first started i i said to my manager eddie if i can just if i could just get have to have the opportunity to actually sing with dolly mm-hmm. then i could i can leave this planet <laughs> and i'll be okay right. you know and he called Danny, her manager, and mm. she said, well, yeah, yeah. And I was like, wait, what? Because I, I thought maybe we'd do Here You Come Again, you know, Here You Come Again. Oh, yeah. She said, no, if I'm going to sing with Kristen, I want to do something I wrote. Oh, wow. And that's how that happened. Right. And then with I'm a Woman, which I really resisted uh, it's, recording. I, I Will Always Love You, by the way. For oh, yeah, listeners sorry. who maybe don't know. Only yeah, her biggest yeah, We hit. should say it, yeah. We should. <laughs> yeah. And you know what else I'm glad she did? By giving us that song to sing, it stayed in the theme of For the Girls about being listening to your gut mm-hmm. and taking a bet on yourself, which she did when she wrote that song because her and Porter Wagner were splitting up. Right. And that was her mentor. So imagine leaving her mentor, telling him, I've got to fly, I've got to soar. You taught me, but you've got to let me go. And they had a big fight. Right. And she went off and wrote that song and came back and played it for him. And he said, you're right. It is time to go. So... Mm. It, it showed me, it's been a constant lesson for me of bet on yourself, yeah. even when nobody else will. And even with more success, continue to bet, your, bet on yourself. So it was in line with the album idea. Yeah, right, yeah. And but then what the, about some of that, yeah. Oh, God, well, forget about it. I'm yeah. a woman, you know, I was really resistant to record it because I said, everybody's going to want me to riff and sound like Aretha, and I'm, I'm not that singer, you know. Mm-hmm. And Steve, Ty- Steve Tyrell said, um, do you remember who sang it originally? That was uh, Miss Peggy Lee. Mm-hmm. And that is something you do, Kristen. Right. And I, so I, I recorded it on my own. And I, lo- I loved it. I loved getting to, oh, right, that is my language, you know. Right. Peggy just spoke saying. And then when she killed it, she killed it. Right. So I understood that. <laughs> yeah. But I said, you know, for me, I still want I still want that strong, deep, awesome voice that, like, Aretha had when she did, you know, everybody, a lot of people put their stamp on it. And I thought, I thought you know, I know Jay J- Hud, and I mm-hmm. admire her so, one, as one of the best singers on the planet. And I thought, wouldn't it be great to get, J-Hud. And then I thought, you know, there's three verses. Feels like... And then another one of my main queens, the the woman who has had faced a lot and overcome a lot in her life and still just 
leads with kindness, but never forget that talent, which is Reba. Right. And I thought, Why, we're all so different. Why can't we? Again, the rule-breaking thing. Right. Why shouldn't we? Dolly did it many years ago with Linda and Emmy Lou. Why can't I do it right. with... Why? Yeah. So... Yeah. It works. And when you record, do you do you record in the same room? Is it like a thing where you go off and you record your little bits, or you how do how do you work with them? Ah, uh, old school. Wouldn't yeah. that be nice? Yeah. Um, our schedules. Yeah, luckily, we now we have Skype, right? We have Facebook. We, I'm <laughs> right. not Facebook. We have you know Facetime, sure, and video, and there was a lot of that going on. Yeah, sure. Because we wanted the feel. Yeah. You know, but right. like that that was that sufficed for me. Right. I felt lucky to even to get them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And for Ariana Grande, who, when did you first meet her? Was it before Hairspray Live or? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. She was 10 and oh, her Nana sure. brought her to oh. see Wicked oh. and she brought her backstage and I she came to my dressing room and her Nana introduced her and she said, this is my granddaughter, Ariana, and she wants to be a singer too. And, mm. And I go, oh, that's so sweet, you know. <laughs> and she was actually on Broadway not long after not that, long actually, because she was in 13, it, Thank right? you for so, bringing that up. Not yeah. a lot of people remember that. Yeah. Like, that's her <laughs> yeah. roots, too. Yeah, right. But then she kind of, like, did a little, and her grandma was like, sing something for her, you know? And she's kind of like, I don't know, you know? And she kind of sang something, and <laughs> right. it was so good. I, I had a little wand in my dressing room mm. from Wicked, and I, I just gave her the little wand, and I said, keep this, and just keep doing what you love mm. and then just checking in with her over the years and watching her success and watching right. her truly fly right. then in hairspray live you know we, we we always were connected but we really really bonded and that was when the bond was right. unbreakable yeah and so for people who don't know what's the song you do with her and why i kind of chose well i chose it th- hoping that she would say yes because mm. i knew i wanted to do it with somebody but i chose Leslie Gore's version. Well, my tip of the hat to Leslie Gore of You Don't Own Me. Of course, Dusty had a barn burner with it too, and I love mm-hmm, it. But mm-hmm. I always tend to go back to the original mm-hmm. source, and here was Leslie. And I've always thought Ariana sort of sounded in that world. Like, in fact, she could play her. Like, she could do a biopic on Leslie. Like, that's a voice that could do it. Mm, uh-huh. I'm just putting it out there. Yeah. But I think, <laughs> Make it happen, Hollywood. Yeah, right? Yeah. I just chose that for her in a way. So, of course, I'm paying, I'm celebrating Peggy Lee. I mean, um, Leslie Gore and Ariana's doing Ariana. Right, right, yeah. Um, And what's your musical approach to it? You talked about sort of the ability to not stay in your lane anymore, to sort of weave around. What then guided you sort of overall for each of these songs? So interesting. I, I, if you're going to redo something, you know, you want to really put your stamp on it. That's the thing, because, like, it needs to be familiar, but not... But, but not an imitation. Right? Yeah. And I, I have to be very careful in this department mm. as an artist because Dolly was such a huge influence. I can actually, I don't even mean to, but it sounds like her. A lot of times I'm going to compare mm. to her, you know. And, and Patsy Klein is such a unique, unique, special voice. It's like I could only hear her singing crazy. In fact, that was another mm. rumble yeah. Steve and I had. <laughs> I said, I'm not doing crazy. I'm not touching that because yeah. I can only hear her freezing. We left it for six months and came back, redid it. Um, Desperado, for example. This uh-huh. is a perfect example to answer your question. Right. I'm thinking, okay, Linda did it, stripped down. Of course, when um, the, you know, the guys wrote it, Joe and them mm-hmm. wrote it, and Glenn wrote it, they wrote it, obviously, stripped down for the, their band. Right. How am I going to do it? 
how's it not been done? How am I going to do it? And what and how's it not been done? And does that fit into what, what I want to say? Right. So we've had it fully orchestrated, mm-hmm. and it sounds amazing. Yeah, like it's a cool. full orchestra. Yeah, and it's not how you'd necessarily normally hear Desperado, but yeah, I think hearing Linda do it, understanding that a woman can sing a man's song, mm-hmm. and then allowed me gave me permission to now do it in 2019 you know right right yeah and you've alluded to some of your other albums in the past you regularly do this kind of you do albums and you uh do concerts uh concert tours and things like this what what do you get from what do you enjoy about uh this kind of music recording and the performance the sort of concert uh recording that um keeps you coming back to it i mean in and what does it what does it add uh, that you maybe don't get from the sort of stage and screen stuff that you do? I think one one of the most interesting components to what we do when we, when you're when you're a singer and an actress is that it's one thing to be in a studio, but it's something altogether different to be in front of a live audience. How many times have we sat down and heard a great vocalist on an album and then say, I can't wait to go see their concert, and then you're disappointed mm-hmm. because they're not really performers, yep. let's say. Sure. Then you have somebody that's like, you know, you, on the, on the, their record, you know, you can kind of do it, but then you go see their show, and it's like off the hook. Right. I've I've been my whole life and my career until the day I die will be wanting both. Yeah. And yet, when I'm in the studio, I don't want it to sound too perfect. I mean, I've actually had the conversation like, don't, I don't like. Those two words, auto-tune, really, they make me a little nervous. Mm-hmm. Because I don't want the young artist to think that it's pristine all the time and clear as a bell and perfect. I want that. Yet, I want to be the best version of myself. So I look for all that in the studio. And then when I take it to the stage, I want that audience to walk away going, I did not know this about her. I didn't mm-hmm. know why she would sing that song. I wondered, you know, I want them to know me as an art what i want is for people that were drug along to my concert that maybe didn't uh-huh. know who i was walk out going i learned so much about her and i like it right that's what i when i leave a concert and i do meet and greets and a husband always will go man my <laughs> wife drugged me and i was not really i was kind of tired and gosh now i'm a big fan that's yeah. a big that's the best compliment an artist can get Right, yeah. And so that's a very different kind of rapport that you have with audiences than you might have like in a musical theater. Uh, yeah, I mean, you have to be... Piece. To me, though, if you, have an, if you have a live audience in any capacity, mm. whether you're playing a role or concertizing as yourself, you have to be a master at listening to mm. them because it's the relationship between the artist and the audience that is so fun. Yeah. If I don't listen, for example, today, I sang on AOL um, The Build, Yeah. Uh-huh. okay? And I did Desperado. Right. I obviously did it with just piano. I didn't, yeah. can't afford the <laughs> sure. whole orchestra. Yeah. But at the very end, um, you better let somebody love you. All of a sudden, a big fire engine with loud sirens goes by. <laughs> and, I, and I just pointed to it. Before it's too late. And the audience just cracked up because what in the moment, if I hadn't acknowledged it, right. I'm just saying it was so loud right. and barreling. And it was even on camera. Like <laughs> you, have, you have to listen right. and allow yourself to be free enough to be in the moments to go, mm. and that's called life. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and this will be the second time. So you're going to do uh, 
Oh, first of all, we started to talk about a little of this before we uh, turned on the turned on the recorder. Um, the first time you're doing this sort of constant this uh, concept for the album overall, completely th- all the way through, is on Broadway in November. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is the second time you're bringing uh, a sort of concert to Broadway. Why is that a good place? Like, why do you want to do that? And you know, why was, is it a good place for it? Well, I was thinking about like. Where where else would you want to play? Mm. You know, like do a, a the like a concept album like I did yeah. with the Lent Fontaine with um, I called it my love letter to Broadway. Right. But it was the Art of Elegance album. Yeah, a lot of it. Yeah, but I I look at it as a looked at that as a theatrical experience, right? Right. This one will be first of all to answer your question. I think it's still awesome that there's a place that an artist like myself can call home. And that they say, come, we welcome you. Come do your thing. Right. So mine happens to be Broadway. I was thinking about, like, oh, looking at the beacon and because mm-hmm. of the venue, you know, the music. Sure. But it would be almost weird of me not to go on Broadway mm. and, and do it there. I kept saying to everybody, I want to have, I want to perform it. I mean, I want to have a moment with this music. I, I'm going to be touring it, yeah, but I yeah, want, right. where am I going to do that? And it, Broadway, just, mm-hmm. you know, that's when they used to do it, you know, Bernadette Peters. Sure, right, yeah. That's when I remember. And so I hope that by my love letter to Broadway, I can start bringing it back, that other artists will be invited. And I'm talking about my age, you know, like I want, mm. I want to go see people on Broadway. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh-huh. I just sure. saw Barry and Man Alone. It was just so cool oh, right. to watch yeah, yeah. him. yeah, uh-huh. Like, do his thing. And I thought, this is what needs to... Like, Springsteen. Yeah, sure. Now we need Broadway, too. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, speaking of Broadway overall, it's coming up on, what, five years since we last saw you in a uh, in a show? Is it really? At, uh, on that, well, it was like 2014, I think, is the last thing. 2015? Maybe it was 2015. I think it was... But yeah, it was, I think we were coming up on... Uh, I think definitely Yeah, for years. on the 20th century. I can't uh, was what... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When did that time yeah. come? Are you due for a return? What's the? What, what, do you have an internal clock that says uh, oh, it's time to head back? Yeah, it's been going off like really loudly <laughs> in my head. Um, but you know, I also want because I respect the Holy Grail. I respect the ground, mm. the theater, the space, the time. I also want to make sure that when I do get to come back, I want to make sure it's the right vehicle. Right. Um, back in the olden days, of course, they wrote for stars. Um, and I'm lucky that there are still people that are wanting to do that. Yeah. There's a couple projects that I'm attached to yeah. and that I'm like, who's going to get to the races first? Right. Well, that's always the question. That's right? always the for, question. Yeah. And you can talk about at least one of them, right? The oh, yeah. Death Becomes Her, Death right? Becomes that's, Her. Yeah. That's I'm... going to be delightful. But tell I... us about who's going to, who's putting, putting that together. Well, I think, um... So Universal um, mm-hmm. Theatrical came to me a couple of years ago and said, we want to attach you. And I right. thought it was a great idea. Yeah. I was like, how do, though would I turn my head around or get shot in the sure. belly? And yeah. like, what part? Because, yeah. you know, I could do yeah. which part? No. And um, they kind of thought of it. They said, you know, we thought the Meryl Streep, but you could actually, you know, mm-hmm. we kind of rethought the the role. So it would be the Madeline role. Uh-huh. Um, and Marco Panette has been writing. He's I've just read Act One, mm-hmm. and Gary Griffin is our director, right? And who I've worked with several times and trust. Mm-hmm. And I think what they're planning on doing and what they're doing is 
talking to illusionists and mm-hmm. people like, you know, Penn and Teller, people sure. like that, trying to make this really unique because yeah. it can't just be a trickery show. It has to be heartfelt. Right. right. And that's yeah. why it was such a hit because those two women. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so far that's who's involved. And what do, is there a timeline yet for that? I guess there can't be. I would be. I would bet bit. within two years. I oh, mean, great. I would bet yeah. within two years. But we just did a reading of another um, musical about um, the woman behind the man, Earl Tupper, hmm. um, of Tupperware. Oh, and it was. <laughs> right. I know, right? You didn't know. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> and her name was Brownie Weiss. And what huh. made her? She was doing the Me Too thing before anyone was. Yeah. And what that looked like in that time period. And I loved that experience so much. Just with Second Stage kind of shepherding it. Oh, cool. Yeah. And then, of course, the long away to Tammy Faye. And yeah, we've right. got Robert Horn as a writer now. Oh, great. Um, we've had several yeah. scripts, but now we feel like this is the right direction. And again, for I'm, Tammy Faye. Yeah, for, I just yeah, yeah, want it yeah. to be done right and with respect. Yeah. So those are the three that I'm coming up my eye on. And they're all new. Exactly. Um, one of my questions here is about, because I feel like the last few things we've seen you in on Broadway have all been, you know, revivals. I feel like the last new musical was Wicked, I think, it's Wicked. right? It was. Um, um, you know, the thing is, after you do Wicked, yeah. and I think I did Candide during my run of Wicked. For a week, I took off and went Oh, to, did you? Is that what that was? That's great. Yeah, <laughs> it's always like, oh, I did Candide while I was doing yeah, Wicked. Isn't that sure. crazy? I just did a week of it, and we filmed it for great performances. Right, but yeah. after you do that, you think, what are you going to, what do you do? And they brought me the apple tree, mm-hmm, which is right. the required requirements is four roles for a woman. Yeah, right. And since nobody was writing anything like that, I agreed to do it at the Encore. Mm-hmm, yeah. And then it was such a hit, we took it to Broadway. And right. so it had never been revived since Barbara Harris. And right, yeah. I kind of thought, first time ever revival. And then Promises. Mm-hmm, yep. First time ever revival, you know. And not a lot of people really wanted to see me in that because they were like, it's not funny. You know, mm-hmm. she's not – who right. are you going to cast as a woman who has an affair with a man and tries to commit suicide? Chenoweth? Right. No. <laughs> yeah. um, right. But I wanted to do it for reasons well-known to myself. Yeah. I just needed to do that show. Yeah. And then many, many years prior, um, Comden and Green, Betty and Adolph had talked to me about on the 20th. Right. When I recorded my first record, I sang a oh, song well. they wrote called If. Mm-hmm. And they said – you're too young, but one day, we've never revived it because it, it's such a unique role. You need to play the Madeline Kahn role in On the 20th. Yeah. And then next thing I know, it's like that time in life. <laughs> right. And Roundabout said, do you want to do it? And I attached right. myself to. So even though they were revivals, I looked right. at them as they were so so unique. Apple Tree and, and On the 20th Century especially. Yeah. It's like. Not so many people can – a lot of people can play a lot of roles. Sure. But not but a lot of people can play – They're very specific roles, right? Right. For, and they require a very specific skill right. set. So but, I, would, yeah. I know they're revivals, but they felt yeah. – and they'd never been revived. Right, yeah. You know, we, we see The King and I, we sing Oklahoma, we see them. The, yeah. the usual suspects return. Thank goodness. It makes right. me happy, my fair lady. I love them. Yeah. But you don't see on the 20th century because it was written for a star. Right. So when the composers say, you've got to do it next, we won't – allow it to be done until the right person and now you it's almost like you better do it (laughs) you know yeah yeah so it was cool are you drawn in general more to new work than classic work or is it do you even think like that you know i don't Mm. i i don't i think about how it's going to be unique 
for me to do it. Is it, you know, is it is you know, wicked in a way was based on something. As long as it's based yeah, in right, truth, yeah. you know, as long as it's based in truth, I I seem to gravitate toward it. Right. And like the probably the most fun I've ever had was doing on the 20th century because mm-hmm. it was it definitely really fun. It was, there. it was hard. Oh, it was yeah. the hardest thing I've ever done. It's oh. opera, opera, operetta, dancing, comedy. Yeah. Running around, level. falling down. Yeah. yeah but <laughs> right. it was just, please, it gave me such joy. Right. And I, every performance I was felt like this is your role, right. you know? Yeah. And are there any composers or writers who you haven't gotten to work with uh, yet in the theater that you would like to? You know, there's so many, it's hard <laughs> to list. Of mm-hmm. course, I wouldn't hate working with Lin-Manuel. Um, sure. I wouldn't hate that. <laughs> Lin-Manuel who? Um, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't hate it. I, I certainly, Pacing and Paul, you know, made a name for themselves. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, I've never worked with Sondheim. And obviously the... Our time is growing shorter. Yeah, wouldn't that be cool? I mean, he's got—he's working on one, from what we hear, right? Know, he's right? got that Benwell project happening. Right. So, and a long time ago, I was offered a show. Hal Prince had come to me and said, "We want you to do this show called Bounce." Oh, Remember? right. And it was yeah. happening at the same time as Wicked. Oh. I had to decide. Same with West Wing. I had been offered a role in the original West right. Wing. Right. Not the original first year. <laughs> sure. Right. It happened yeah. at the same time as Wicked. Right. And I, I just knew, I was like, I have to do Wicked, right. you know? And you got to do West Wing anyway, so. I sure did. It turned out. <laughs> yeah, it turned out. It turned yeah. out. Um, and how then, that sort of leads into my next question, which is sort of how you think about uh, your theater work in relation to kind of your overall career that includes screen work. Like, what, what's the, how do you bounce back and forth and what guides you as you do that? Oh, again, I just listen. Yeah. You know, we got two ears and one mouth, as my mom said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, double listen. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a dial, of course, depending on what I'm doing. If I'm on television, the camera's right in my face. Mm-hmm. There's a dial, and it's an inner dial, I call it, that I listen to. Mm. But I still pick roles, like trial and error. When I read Lavinia Peck Foster, you know, right. or NBC, I was like, that's a KC part. Yeah, How I know uh, to take a part is if I know I'm going to sit at home and be mad and watch somebody else play it. Oh, okay. Then I go, uh, you, you, if you know that you're going to be upset watching somebody else play it, you better not let it pass. <laughs> right. That's the best right. thing yeah. I can say. Yeah. Uh, I feel like Pushing Daisies is ripe for a musical adaptation, right? Um, I, I mean, feel like, thank you for saying that. <laughs> um, I agree with you, sir. All right. Yeah. Brian Fuller, um, hurry yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. No, I know he would love to do it, and he's a very busy guy, too, and all of the actors are, too, mm-hmm. but we didn't get the closure. We got, yeah, what, right. we got yeah. like, what I call the slow no. Right. And so oh, yeah. it, it was like Pushing Daisies in a way. Yeah. <laughs> it was like that yearning, you know? Yeah. But I, I miss it. I miss her all of every yeah. day. Right. And what uh, what do you like about um, about screen work and how does it how does what you do on screen then influence uh, the kind of the way you work on stage? Sometimes with film, a lot of times with film, Mm. there's moments that an artist or an actress gets to have that is so intimate with the camera that it's very, very difficult to recreate that on stage. You know, I I feel like I'm, it's easier for me to do that through song on stage, mm-hmm. the intimate, intimate moment. But when a camera comes up on someone's eyes, they are the truly the window to the soul. 
And that is, you know, in roles like Pushing Daisies and right. even GCB and it, like right, Glee, right, yeah. like even yeah. even Lavinia, who's as big as they get. Sure. This is in Trial and Error. I don't think we mentioned yeah, Trial and Error. Yeah, Trial and Error. But, error. Uh, you know, it's, which is hilarious. Everyone should watch that thank season. Thank you yeah. very much. <laughs> it's a delightful season. It's such show. a good yeah. show. And West Wing, as long as like, again, I just keep going back to the authentic truth. If you're doing your authentic truth, it might not be for everybody, but people can't get too mad at you. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Yeah. I just, that camera is pretty special when you when you know you're living. There was a couple times in Pushing Daisies, I thought, and that's a testament to your director that right. trusts you and says, okay, I'm going to zoom in here. So I know I've got to be as honest and real as it gets. Right. Or that camera is going to know. But yeah. I feel the same way when I'm step on stage. It's 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 an interesting web. Yeah. Do you like Christmas a lot? Because <laughs> I, I mean, I may have seen a few of these myself. Um, you are in. You have been in uh, more than one Christmas movie, and you're. Are you going to be in two this year? Yeah. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. Tell me about your relationship to Christmas well, and Christmas movies. Do I have Christmas written across my forehead? <laughs> because there's something about me that just, I just. Do a lot of holiday films. I mean, one of them is delightfully called The Twelve Men of Christmas. <laughs> I may have seen it at least once, maybe more than once. Listen, I watch it for the guys. Yeah. Oh, they're all right, so hot. Yeah. This actress, this uh, woman moves to the town and has a, a calendar to help yep. like her, the business and yep. everything. And I just loved it for a lifetime. Yeah. And I, it was eye candy for me every day. And you've got two, and so you've got two more coming uh, this season. Tell us yeah, about it. Yeah, it's like I've got one for Netflix. Yep. Um, Emma Roberts is the star and beautiful mm-hmm. actress who I love. Yeah. It's called Holiday, mm-hmm. and I play her crazy aunt Susan. Excellent. So I would like to apologize in advance to my family. <laughs> For the things that I may or may not be doing on screen. Um, Is it lifted directly from your personal experience? I mean, some of them, yeah, yeah uh-huh. which shall remain. Sure, of course. And yeah. then the second movie to switch complete gears mm-hmm. is with Hallmark Channel. Right. And it's, you know, they do Christmas better than anybody. Sure. And they tackle a subject that I, that that is very close to me, but a subject they haven't tackled yet. And I can't give it away. Oh, so I'm okay. glad they did. It was kind of. Jennifer Aspen, who I did GCB with as an actress, oh, uh-huh. she's a producer as well. Yeah. She produced it for them and me. And hmm. uh, Shelley Wright and I wrote the title song right. for it, which will be a first for me. A fir- oh. First time I have a song of my own in a in a movie that I'm in. That was. Have you ever worked like that? As in, so you were inspired. You knew you were writing this song for this specific, and was that interesting to you? Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, but I also, you know, the, then I had to approach. I was being told. Okay, this is too clever, or it's too insider. I'm mm. like, no, 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 it's the music. It's, the... but really, I right. had I had to look at it from a producer standpoint too. Like, right. how does it fit into the movie? Yeah, right. Uh-huh. It was really an interesting process. I started writing the song like a year before. Okay, and Shelly right. and I worked on it for a long yeah. time. And that's for it's called a Hallmark. Christ- yeah, it's okay. called a Christmas love story. A Christmas love story. Okay, um, and how how often do you write songs? All the time. Yeah. Nobody knows that really. I was going to say, t- tell me more. How often do you, th- are you a songwriter or do you think about musical theater ever writing musical theater or? I think about it a lot. Yeah. I want someone to collaborate with me mm-hmm. on a story I have and it would be hmm. for Broadway and it is obviously very close to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the obvious, I look at Stephen Schwartz, I look at Andrew Lippa. Right. You know, I look at those kind of 
prolific composers because they know me so well. Yeah, right. But also that would be my own original sound. My the sound I grew up singing, yeah. gospel and country. That's what it was. Right. Um, and how it evolved into opera and music theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and being an adopted child and what that's like and what your DNA versus nurture, hmm. all that is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I can see that happening. All I right. think before it's all said and done, if I don't do that, then I'll have really missed a very thing on my bucket list that I want to do. Yeah. Would you play yourself? Um, I think that's also scary to think about. Yeah. I would definitely would. I, I kind of see it in three parts. Mm. You know, I look at like Dove Cameron and uh-huh, yeah, sure. you know, yeah. certain actresses, Beth Beers. I think of certain people. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. that could work. Oh, okay. Um, but I don't. I've, I've got I've got it in my head, and I know what it needs to be, but I don't think I could do it from start to finish. Yeah. It would be maybe even in a narration situation. Right. Dare I say? Right, I'm I'm intrigued and yeah. look forward to hearing more of this. Yeah. it <laughs> I know. I really want. I really want that to happen. Yeah. Um, last question. What What's your biggest onstage flub on Broadway, and how did you fix it? Oh well, <laughs> I, I don't know if I ever did fix it. Um, I've left a couple jokes on the stage that hurt, but um, <laughs> that really hurt. Um, in fact, Aaron Sorkin, when we were. Um, Together, he came to see Apple Tree, and he gave mm. me such a hard time because I did miss a joke really bad. And, I, and I, we we had a pretend fight about it. I said I meant to do it like that, and he said, "No, it's still there." So whenever we do stay in touch, he's yeah. like, "That joke is still on the stage on Broadway, by the way." He's still like, "Wow!" And I love it. You know, it's like fun, yeah, yeah. fun banter. Yeah. Um, I pro- probably that towards the end of my run in Wicked, I was only in and on Broadway nine months. And towards mm, right. the end, and that's like max for me. I mm-hmm. just become like yabba dabba do. I just, I just it's because you're doing it over and over again. Yeah, because, I just, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I start to get a little mm. start crazy. bananas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just completely forgot popular. <laughs> I went on. Oh, wow. White noise, like blank stare. The the actor's nightmare. Yeah. But popular. Are you and sure? You, you know why? <laughs> because I made the mistake. Of relaxing, mm. mm-hmm. I made the mistake of thinking I can just. You got it. I got right. this. Yeah. And the minute you go on autopilot, at least this actress right here yeah. sitting in front of you, it's a bad idea. And you know I couldn't get back on. Finally, to the point where I just started conducting the audience because they started singing it for me out of just sheer pain. They were hurt for me, and I was hurt for them, especially the money the people yeah, that come right. to see it. Yeah. And I just conducted them and. And I mean, I just completely broke. I mean, it was unprofessional. It was, I mean, a flop sweat for the first time in my right. career. Yeah. But there's people that go, I was there the night. Yeah, I don't know. That's pretty cool to, to have been there. That's yeah, pretty great. Right. Yeah. They're like, you didn't have a clue. And even the Stephen Remus, the conductor, was yelling yeah, out, yeah. I'll show you what shoes to wear. I had a picture. And I was like, I have no, you, you are speaking German. I have no idea what wow. you're saying. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you for chatting with me. Um, We look forward to seeing you in November um, on Broadway. And then after that, uh, in whatever um, gets you there at the time. Thank you, baby. Thanks, Kristen. Nice to talk to you. You too. That was Kristen Chenoweth, whose latest album, For the Girls, is now available. And you can catch her in concert on Broadway November 8th through 17th. 
If you like what you're hearing on this and other episodes of Stagecraft, it'd be so helpful if you took the time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or tell a friend. I'll be back with a new episode next week. Until then, see you at the theater. Hey, it's Leslie Udom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.